0: Alright, there we go. Sorry about that. Like I said, uh, last week we started uh, the first part of chapter 2 and we dealt with that whole uh, story there about... Uh, Levi and his wife having a son and holding him for three months. And you remember that we're not going to go through that. But, you know, I, I was debating in my head whether to move on to chapter 3. I think I might have even said on a Sunday that we're moving on to chapter 3. But really, we didn't cover the last uh, 10 verses or so of the chapter. And, and I didn't want to just skip them. Because, you know, they, when you first read them, you're kind of like, well, that's a, not really anything spiritual or anything we can really uh, lean from. But then I started thinking about it. And I started remembering the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. And I started reading it and studying it and I thought, you know, we really need to go over this and we need to uh, understand a few things. And I want you to understand a few things from the past. If you, if you remember, keep your finger there in Exodus too, because we're obviously coming back to it. But uh, uh, go with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And we were there last week, Hebrews chapter 11. And as we were kind of looking at Hebrews and the commentary that uh, the book of Hebrews gives us in regards to Exodus chapter 2. And I want you to understand something. Remember, we read there that Moses grew up came full circle, he saw the burden of his brethren, he killed an Egyptian, and he really wanted to help his brethren. And I said last week, you know, we often look at that as a negative story, and I'm not uh, condoning that he should have killed the man, I'm not saying that was a good thing, but I, I do want you to understand that in Hebrews chapter 11, if you look at verse 24, when God comments on this time in Moses' life, God gives us a good commentary. God gives us a good uh, 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 he, he looks at this as, as a great time of faith in Moses' life. If you look at Hebrews 11, look at verse 24. I understand we looked at it last week, but I want you to see it again. Hebrews eleven twenty-four 24 says, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, that's what we're talking about, when he became a grown man, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing And that's who he was, by the way. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was a prince, you know, or whatever that title would be, in Egypt. He was a royalty at that time. Even though he's a Hebrew, he was not forced to be a slave. He was not forced to uh, live in bondage. He was considered an Egyptian. And the Bible says that when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Look at verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for He had respect unto the recompense of the reward by faith. I want you to notice this, is that He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the King, and endured as seeing Him who is invisible. Now you got to understand a few things. You say, why, why does this matter? Why is this so important? You've got to understand something. In the Bible, Egypt is always a type of the world. Egypt always represents the world. The Bible refers to, often refers to God's people going down into Egypt. It refers to it as a, uh, as a house of bondage. It refers to it as a, uh, as, as, a, as a bad place, a negative place. People always went down to Egypt and got in sin or, or got into trouble. And, and Egypt is a type or a picture in the scriptures of the world. And you got to understand something. There's a spiritual application. Obviously, the story there is a story of Moses' life, but there's a spiritual application. Moses was born into the, what we would call the right family. And you say, "What's the uh, application there?" Well, in the same way, you and I are born into the family of God. The Bible says, "Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever." We're born again, and we get born into the family. Here's what you got to understand, and here's what you got to understand in Christianity as a whole: Just because you're born into the right family, just because you're born again, doesn't mean that you're not of the world. Do you understand that? Moses was not an Egyptian. He was born into what you know. We were considered at that time God's people. Physically, we understand that. Not you know spiritually, they were still saved in the Old Testament, just like you and I are saved. We understand, and that's proven in verse twenty-six of uh, chapter eleven there in Hebrews, because it says, "Esteeming the reproach of Christ." I, I think that's very interesting. The subject is Moses, and Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ. You say, well, Christ didn't come till many years later. Yeah, but even in the Old Testament, they got saved by calling upon the name of the Lord, which is Jesus Christ. So, we understand that everybody's saved the same way all throughout history. By faith, not by works, by grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. We understand that. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is this. Moses was born into what we would consider the children or the people of God. Yeah. In the same way today, people have this idea. When you get saved, you're not going to be worldly anymore. False. And by the way, if you believe that, you believe in work salvation. Someone said to my wife just today, Oh, so-and-so is... What was the terminology? What is it that she said? The word that she said? Um, what was it, demon? I'm putting you on the spot. You don't even remember. Someone said, they were talking about a child. And they said, oh yeah, that child is... Oh, this is what they say. They're noticeably unsaved. It's like noticeably unsafe. What are you, God? Can you see their heart? Can you see the Holy Spirit indwelling them? I mean, you got—we got to understand. Just because people live in sin and live in the world and live in Egypt, doesn't. a bunch of queers to be raped by them. This, and the Bible says he was—he had a righteous soul. That's what the Bible says. So we understand that the way you live your life, or where you live your life, does not determine your salvation. Moses was born into the correct family, but lived in Egypt. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Which represents the world. You can be born again and live in this world, like Moses. Moses like the Egyptians. Moses talked like the Egyptians. Moses was dressed like the Egyptians. Moses' style was Egyptian. People looked at him and he said, that's an Egyptian. But he was an Egyptian. He was a Hebrew. Do you understand what I'm saying? And today people can look like the world, act like the world, live like the world, and they're saved, they're born again, but they're they're not of this world, but they act like the world. Do you understand that? But here's what I want you to understand. Every Christian that is going to accomplish something for God, where he forsakes the world, forsakes Egypt, and lives for God. Do you understand that? This is why this time in Moses' life was so important. Because even though he was born into the right family, just like you and I were born into the family of God, there must come a time where we choose to esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, and you and I, forsake Egypt say so what are you talking about forsaking Egypt forsaking the world we got to forsake the world we got to leave the world you, you, you say what, what does that mean that that means we got to stop being like Egypt you say pastor why do you guys preach so much about the way we should dress and the way we should act and the way the things we should do you know because here's the thing you can look like an Egyptian you can listen to the Egyptians music you can be part of the Egyptian' philosophy but God can't use you that way See, do you understand what Moses was doing? Moses had a desire in his heart to free his people from bondage. He was trying. That's what he was doing. He killed Egypt. We're going to have to forsake Egypt. You say, what does that mean, Pastor? Does that mean we're going to go buy some property somewhere and go live in some combine? That's not what we're talking about. God said that He, he wasn't calling us out, out of the world. He'll call us out of the world one day. But we, we're supposed to live in the world. We're supposed to minister to this world. We're supposed to be here. But it doesn't mean we have to be like the world. Do you understand that? Go me to Romans chapter 12, just real quick. Because we got to go back to... Uh, Egypt, I mean, uh, Exodus. Exodus 2. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. See, you say, you say why, why, is it that people are, why is it that some people get people saved, bring them to church, get them baptized, they're raising their children right, they're doing that. It seems like the God's hand is on them. And in some the people, they're trying to free society. You know, that's what Moses ran through. Moses was standing up for God's people to the point where he killed a man. But what happened? They said, Oh, are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptians? Why did they accept it? Because God's hand will never be on you while you're living in the world. Look at Romans chapter number 12. That's why the Bible says, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, this is what Paul said, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. He says, I want you to present your body a sacrifice. Look what he said, holy. Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. How, you say, Pastor, how do I uh, uh, present my body a living sacrifice? By not being conformed to Egypt. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. you see that? People say, you go to that church and you're getting brainwashed. Amen. You need to be brainwashed. Your brain needs to be what? You need a new, a renewed mind. The Bible says, Renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Say, so how are you going to do that? By not conforming to Egypt. Let me tell you something. You will never get the results you want from God while you're listening to this world's music. Period. You say, Pastor, I'm going to. You come to church and you grab the old hymns, you sing them, and then and then you go and listen to, you know, rap or rock or country or whatever you listen to. And then you want God's power on your life? It's not going to work. You dress, you know, you come, man. You come to church all dressed up. You wear your tie, you know. Your ladies wear your skirt, but then throughout the week, you're putting your pants on, you're putting your mini-skirt on, you bring, and, you, and you and you expect God to bless that. Let me tell you something, Moses. God can't use you to free Egypt while you're in Egypt. Do you understand that? You cannot help people come out of bondage in Egypt when you are Egypt, Moses. It doesn't work. And if you and I are going to be effective. In our Christian life, we gotta leave the world, leave the world's filth, leave the world's TV, leave the world's music, leave the world's attitude, leave the world's words. You gotta, you gotta separate. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And that's what this story represents. Moses came to the place where he said, I'd rather suffer the afflictions of the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You say, How do I do it? You quit sinning. That's how you do it. You got to give up the world. That's it. You got to forsake Egypt. You got to let it go. Now, here's the thing you say, Pastor, why are you preaching this? Go back to uh, Exodus 2. Because that's the only way you're going to be effective. It's very interesting. Verse 12, Exodus 2.12, and he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. That's a very good thing. Hey, let me, you know, before you, and I'm not condoning the fact that he killed a man, but let me tell you something. When Moses comes back to Egypt, as a man of God, let me tell you something. Many Egyptians will die as he brings God's people out of bondage. I'm not necessarily 100% sure that God was against him killing the Egyptians. I just don't think God wanted to use a dirty vessel. God said, I'm not going to use you to help people come out of bondage while you're living in that bondage, Moses. While you're an Egyptian. And and here's the thing we try to raise our kids for God while we're in sin. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Look at verse 15. And and I want you to say, I want to give you three real quick points. You You say, okay, Pastor, I'm with you. I want to come out of Egypt. I want to leave the world. I'm not just getting saved, but I want to live for God. You've got to understand three things I believe we can learn in this passage that God will do for you when you come out of Egypt. Number one, I want you to understand this. God gave Moses a new identity. God gave Moses a new identity. Moses, according to the Bible, had been raised by Pharaoh's daughter since, uh, since he was a young child. As far as we know, he'd gone to Egyptian schools. As far as we know, he, he was royalty he was an Egyptian. People obeyed him. People, I'm sure, maybe even admired him. And here's what I think is very interesting. All throughout Scripture, and all throughout history, we'll find you'll we'll read stories about royalty killing peasants. And no one blinks an eye. No one cares. But notice what happened. When Moses forsook Egypt and killed this man, he was a prince. And look at verse uh, 14. I'm sorry, verse 15. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. Does that make sense to you? You would think that if you were royalty, you could just kill anyone and and Pharaoh would be fine with it. You know, in that time frame. But when Moses forsook Egypt, at the first chance Egypt, Pharaoh had, they turned their backs on. Let me tell you something. You leave Egypt and Egypt will leave you. If you got, you got worldly friends and you can hang out with worldly friends and, and you're fine, there's something wrong there. The Bible says, now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. Not only does this represent the fact that Egypt turned their back on Moses, but it represents this this was his family. Do you understand that? Pharaoh was his grandfather. He was adopted into the family. His his mother was Pharaoh's daughter. And his family said, kill kill Moses. When you leave Egypt, my friend, when you forsake the world, my friend, God is going to give you a new identity. And you say, what is that identity? Here's the identity. The world will turn their back on you. But it's very interesting. Because in verse 15 we read that... Pharaoh sought to slay Moses, right? Look at verse 16. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. So he runs to Midian. He gets to Midian... The priest of Midian has, the Bible tells us, seven daughters. And they're there trying to, you know, do some work, water the flock. Look at verse 17. And the shepherds came and drove them away. So these shepherds are kind of picking on these girls, giving them a hard time. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. So Moses shows up and he helps them water their flock. Look at verse 18. And when they came to Rael, their father, he said, How is it that you are come so soon today? So this Rael, their father, sends his daughters to do some work. They come home early and they're like and and he's like you know this doesn't usually take this long why are you back so early look at verse 19 look what they said and they said an Egyptian don't miss those words an Egyptian delivers us out of the head of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us to water the flock now please understand this okay just think about this for a second Is, is Moses an Egyptian? no he's not Is Moses welcomed in Egypt? No, he's not. Pharaoh wants to kill Moses. Pharaoh says, you're no longer part of my family, Moses. You're no longer even considered an Egyptian, Moses. You killed an Egyptian and now I'm going to kill you. And Moses runs from Pharaoh, runs to Midian. But when he gets there, what are they referring to him as? An Egyptian. Let me tell you something, when you leave the world and God gives you a new identity, just be ready for this. There's going to be conflicting identities. It's going to be a conflict of And most of them, I'm sure are Okay, so in Egypt, they think I'm crazy, and they want to kill me, and then I go to people who aren't Egyptians, and they say, oh, he's an Egyptian. Let me tell you, that's going to happen. You're going to get saved, you're going to start living for God, you're going to say, I'm going to protect the world, I'm going to protect the music, I'm going to protect sin, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to live for God, I'm going to receive the reproaches of Christ better. And some of your friends are going to say, you're insane, you're crazy, I want nothing to do with you. And then you're going to walk up to somebody, I haven't seen you for a while, and they're going to say, hey, how you doing? Hey, we should go to the bar. And you're going to be like, "Um, no, that's actually not me anymore. That's what happened to Moses. They ran him out of Egypt, he gets to a place, and they said, oh, there's an Egyptian. And he's thinking, I'm not an Egyptian. But as far as I can say, you're an Egyptian. See, you've got a testimony, you've got a life, you've built a reputation, it's going to take some time, when you say, I want to live for God, it's going to take time to rebuild that testimony and people are going to... And by the way, when they find out, oh, he's not an Egyptian anymore, you're going to say, well, let's kill him. No, i not going to do it with him. You understand that? God gave him a new identity. But there was a time there with conflicting identities. And they said "An Egyptian, verse 19, delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds. And also drew water enough for us to water the flock. I think verse 20 is interesting. It says, And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. I always thought it was funny. I was like, Why is this guy so excited about bringing a stranger into his home? But then I realized, If I, You know, I, I think it's funny because I have a daughter coming, You know, In a few months or whatever. And, and these guys always talk, You know, Guys always talk about this. Like, You know, th- Their one, You know, When they had their one daughter, Like, boys would come ask him on dates and they'd be waiting with their shotgun, you know, whatever. And praise the Lord for it. Amen. Amen and amen. But when you have seven daughters and you got to marry all seven of them off because you don't want them living with you until they're like 55, this guy's like, where's where's the stranger? Bring him on down. And they're like, well, daddy's running from the That's okay. No problem. Man. Bring him. You know, I think it's funny. You know, you got seven daughters, you start thinking about stuff like that. Man, you guys got, you know, a guy was talking to you? Bring him down. Look at verse 21. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. And she bare him a son. And he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. I said number one, God gave him a new identity. I want to tell you number two, God gave him a new family. God gave him a new family. See, it's very interesting because the Bible tells us that... Verse 21, read it again. And Moses was content to dwell with the the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter, and she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom. Notice what he says though. There's a colon after the name. It says, For he said, this is what Moses said. Moses said, God gave me a son. God gave me a wife. God gave me a family. Here's why. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. That word stranger there would be our modern day word "foreign." And he said, God gave me a family because I was a stranger in a strange land. He said that I was a foreigner in a foreign land. Let me tell you, you start living for God and you start quitting sin and you start quitting Egypt and you start getting around people, you're going to start feeling like a stranger. You're going to start feeling like a foreigner. You're going to start feeling the world, not only does God give you a new identity, God gives you a new family. God gives you a new family. Go with me to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter number 2, look at verse 19. Ephesians 2.19. Ephesians chapter number 2, look at verse number 19. Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians 2.19, let me show you something. Ephesians 2.19 says, look at... I want you to see it. I'll wait for you to get there. Ephesians in the New Testament, chapter number two, verse nineteen. Ephesians two nineteen says, "Now therefore, ye are no more what's the next word? Strangers Strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints." And look what it says. And uh, of God you say like, Pastor what do I got to do to be successful in this Christian life you got to get plugged into a family Amen. let me tell you something right now if you're half in half out skip church and skip that and, and let anything you know come wrong, you're going to fail Moses would have failed in Midian if he didn't get plugged in and God said Moses I'm not just giving you a new identity I'm giving you a new family And he said, amen, that God gave me a son. When I felt like a stranger, when I felt like a foreigner, he gave me a family. And when you leave the world, God not only will give you an identity, God will give you a family. God will give you a family. Go to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Look at verse number 23. I'd like you to see something. Not only did God give... Moses an identity, a new identity. Not only did God give Moses a new family, but God gave Moses time. God gave Moses time. Look at verse 23, Exodus 2.23. And it came to pass in the, look what it says, process of time. Do you see that? And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. You don't have to turn there, but let me just read this verse for you. 2 Timothy, I'll just go there. I mean, if you can go there quickly, you can if you want to, but I'll just go there real quickly. 2 Timothy, chapter number 4 and verse 2 says this. God tells us as pastors, He gives us instructions. He says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. And He says this, with all long suffering and doctrine. The word long-suffering is talking about being patient. It's talking about suffering long. It's talking about being very patient. And and the one thing that God gives you in your Christian life is time. The Bible says that God gave Moses time. It says, in the process of time. In your Christian life, God will give you time. Don't worry. You say, Pastor, I don't feel like I'm really doing much. God will give you time. God's long-suffering. God's patient. You stay plugged in. You get that family. You stay... ready but let me tell you something you better be ready for it because when God moves he moves quickly remember Abraham waited a long time and when God moved he said Abraham tomorrow I want you to sacrifice your son see it's wait 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 and when God says move you go enjoy the time strengthen up get to know your family get to know God's word I said number one God gave him a new identity number two God gave him a new family number three God gave him time. Number 4, I'd like you to see. Look at verse number 23. Very interesting verses. It says, And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. For the last two chapters, we've been reading all about the children of Israel being in bondage. And... I don't know if you noticed, know but I know I noticed as I read this, I thought to myself, where is God in this? Where are God's thoughts in this? And it isn't until the last few verses of chapter 2 that we hear that God heard their cry. Their cry came up unto God. God heard their groaning. God remembered His covenant. God looked upon the children of Israel. God had respect unto them. You say, why, what ha- why is this... You know, we believe the King James Bible is God's perfect word. Everything is in there for a reason at the right time. And you gotta understand, you gotta explain why does God tell us at the end of chapter 2, just kind of out of nowhere, that he hears the children of Israel's cry and he, hears the, he sees their bondage and he's ready to move and do something. Why? Here's what you going to say when Moses left Egypt, he not only got a new identity, he not only got a new family, he not only got in time, but See, whose job was was it going to be to bring the children of Israel out of bondage? Moses. But it wasn't God's time. And God prepares to bring for him a ministry. Let me, let me show you something. Go, go with me real quick to the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9. I want you to see how consistent the Bible is. Acts chapter number 9. You remember when Saul got saved? Acts chapter 9. Look at verse number 22. Acts 9.22. Moses was one of the most greatly used men of God in the Bible. And so was Paul. And I'd like you to see something very interesting. Acts chapter number 9 and verse number 22. The apostle Paul, or Saul as he's known at this time, got saved. And in verse 22 the Bible says, But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dealt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. Now, the Bible tells us that Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a Jew. These were the same people that at one time looked at Saul with admiration, looked at Saul as a leader, looked at Saul as one of the uh, great men that they respected. And the Bible says that after Saul got saved, he increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dealt at Damascus. What, the, what what the Egyptians want to do when he began to have a new identity conflict and let me tell you something there was a conflict of identity with Saul also look at verse 24 but they're laying, but they're laying a weight was known of Saul and they watched the gates day and night to kill him and the disciples took him so here's the thing Saul gets hanged and the people that he that are considered the world, the Egyptians, the worldly people, the wrong people, the Jews, they say, kill that man. But then, verse 25, And the disciples took him by night, and led him down by the wall in the basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. He tried to join a church, the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, and believed not that he was a disciple. Do you see the conflict? Just like Egypt, you know, forsook... Moses and then people were saying, you're an Egyptian? The Jews were trying to kill Paul and then he goes to the disciples and they said, you're one of the Jews, we're not on yeah. you. Just get, just get used to it. When you get a new identity, there's going to be a conflict of identity. Look at verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to them how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus and he was with them coming in and going out to Jerusalem. So they let him in. God gave him a family. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Just go real quickly, we're almost done. Go with me to Acts 26, look at verse 18. Not only did Paul have a conflict of identity, not only was Paul given time and given a family, Acts 26, 18, when Paul later recounts his salvation testimony, look what he says. God gave him a ministry. Look at verse 18. Look what he he said. He said, this is what God wants me to do. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by the faith that is in me. And let me tell you something. That was Paul's ministry. And by the way, that was Moses' ministry. What was Moses' ministry? To go down to Egypt, the world. And bring those people out of bondage because they were enslaved. And Paul says, When I got saved, the Jews wanted to kill me. The Christians said I was a Jew. There was a conflict there of identity. I was given time. He spent two years in Arabia. Ministry bring people out of bondage, and, and when I use the word bondage, I'm not necessarily talking about drugs and alcohol. I'm talking about the bondage of sin that's going to condemn them to hell. You say, "What is my ministry, Pastor? I, I want to be part of the ministry. Can I teach a Sunday school class? No, I don't think so. Can I uh, have a, be a nursery worker? No, that's not going to work either. Uh, can, can I? Can I do what can I do? You go soul winning. Go knock on doors. Preach the gospel. Get people saved, and help people come. On you say, Pastor, why do I need to forsake the world and leave the world and leave Egypt? Why do all that work? And, and, and really, you want me to get rid of my pants, all of my pants, throw them in the trash, never wear them again, never be seen in pants again? Ne- you know, you really want me to take all my CDs and throw them in the trash and break them? You really want them? Help them with what? Turn them. Turn their eyes from light, from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. That's your ministry. See, when you forsake Egypt, you've got to understand this God's going to give you a new identity. And God's going to give you a new family. And God's going to give you some time. But He's also going to give you a ministry. And your ministry is to help other people come out of Egypt. That's your ministry that's what we're doing. I have, I believe that Verity Baptist Church can be used of God as a great lighthouse in this community to see thousands of people saved. And I'm not just saying saved, but see many, many, many people baptized and, and brought, you know, to church and discipled as we preach God's word. And, and that they can really come out of bondage and come out of sin and come out of Egypt. But it's never going to happen, my friend. Well, we've got What's going to happen? You'll be given a new identity. You'll be given a new family. You'll be given some time. And then you'll be given a ministry. What made Moses so great? The fact that he went to Egypt and he said those famous words, Let my people go. But I will tell you this, that he would have never got that chance if it wasn't for an Exodus chapter 2, a young man said, I'm going to suffer the afflictions of the people of God and to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And that's the step you've got to take. Pastor, I want to see my family saved. You'll never see them saved while you're living in the world. Go ahead and play with your sin. Do whatever you want. You'll never see them saved. You'll never see God's power. You'll never have the Holy Spirit on your life. You'll never, ever do it until you decide, I'm leaving the world, forsaking the world. Like we say, I think we sing it Thou art the potter, I am the clay. You've got to leave the world, my friend. That's the only way it's going to work. That's the only way you're going to be able to do it. You say, I'd like to be a Moses. So would I. But it's not easy. It's not easy. You've got to forsake. You say, but, but uh, my family, they're going to make fun of me. I know. They tried to kill Moses. They tried to kill Paul. But my friends, are gonna, they're, they're going to think I'm weird. am weird. I know. But when you do it, I, you said, but see, God will give you a new family. Don't worry. God will give you people that love you and pray for you and, 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 and are worried about you and, and are concerned for you. He'll give you people that will call you and say, hey, let's go get something to eat or let, let's go out soul running. Or, hey, you know, I was just my pipe. Well, let me tell you, it's such a blessing to me. And, and it wasn't church great. And wasn't it wasn't the singing good. It wasn't the piano good. wasn't this good. God will give you a family. I encourage you. Don't worry. But you've got to take the step to forsake the world. Let's bow our heads and I'm going to order prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for our church, and thank you for our Wednesday night Bible study, when we can look at some verses, and some verses that we would maybe just skip over, or think, oh, that has nothing to do with anything, and, and, and realize that there's really a lot there. If we study your word, for pray you'd bless tonight, and help there to be some growth. In your precious name I pray, amen.